Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Coming up, we're going to take a look at some Eagles who could make the leap here in 2022. I'll give you my thoughts on some of the news that came out this week about who's calling plays for the Eagles now, and... I guess it's been generating some controversy. They're shortened OTAs and how they are being conducted right now. So I'll have some thoughts on that. Pro Football Focus is also out with their ranking of NFL receiving cores. And I'll tell you where they have the Eagles receiving core. It's, a, it's something to be excited about. And we'll also take a look at some of the other interesting rankings, including where the other teams in the NFC East are ranked, according to PFF. All that stuff coming up here in the next few minutes on Eye on the Enemy. Um, but first, we're going to start off with a new segment that I, I want to do here during the summertime, at least. Um, I know that the NFC East mixtape really takes you in-depth into what's going on inside the division, but I record this show a few days after they are done recording, and so uh, I think it's a good time to also give you a little check-in as far as what the enemy is doing here inside the division a few days after the mixtape airs. And so uh, we're going to do a, a, weekly, uh, a weekly segment called Check the Papers, we're going to check the papers. We're going to make sure we uh, take a look and see what the papers are saying about the Giants and the Commanders and the Cowboys. Uh, because we don't have papers anymore that we really use. I don't think anybody goes and uh, collects a bunch of newspapers. Nobody gets... I, I, there are very few Americans, and I am certainly not one of them, who subscribes to the New York Times, the Washington Post, and the Dallas Morning News and have them delivered to my house each and every day so that I can check the papers and see what's going on with the Giants, Commanders, and Cowboys. But we have the miracle of Google News. And so uh, what I'm going to do is every, every week when I record this show, I'm just going to go on to Google News, type in New York Giants, and let's read the headlines and see what's going on with each of these fan bases. And so let's start off with our pals up north, the New York Giants. And uh, here's a headline from Big Blue View. Um, actually, pardon me, no, this is from the New York Post. Wink Martindale, Giants uh, 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 offense, uh, pardon me, defensive coordinator. Wink Martindale allowing guys to play loose on reinvigorated Giants defense. Uh, it's a very hopeful and optimistic and, uh, and cheery-sounding headline for the Giants. And I think that's mostly what you're going to find here during the offseason because a lot of these teams are looking for positive stories uh, to write at the moment. Uh, Giants Wire reports PFF ranks Giants receivers in the bottom half of the NFL. And um, I'll have that rundown for you coming up again when I talk about the receiver rankings uh, more in just a minute. Sports Illustrated has a New York Giants 2022 training camp roster preview of offensive lineman Corey Cunningham can reserve offensive tackle. Corey Cunningham hold off the hungry youngsters vying for his roster spot. You can just feel the emotion tingling in your goosebumps, can't you? Uh, ESPN has a story out on uh, Saquon Barkley. New York Giants running back Saquon Barkley trusting his body again. Quote, starting to get that swagger back. Ooh, you can feel the swagger from here, can't you? Uh, and then Giants Sports Illustrated. Giants running back Saquon Barkley makes a heartfelt admission. I'm going to click on that story and see exactly what kind of a, a heartfelt admission uh, we're talking about here. He opens up and confesses that his confidence in his on-field ability took a hit last year. I would say the difference was I was a way more confident player in college and early in my career than I was before the last year and then last year. Now I'm getting that back, starting to get that swagger back. So 
Giants fans can feel better. And listen, Saquon Barkley is a great player. He was a great player. I don't know if he's still a great player anymore, but uh, if he does get that swagger back, he can be an effective, dynamic running back for the Giants. There's no doubt about it. Uh, here is a fan-sided story. New York Giants cutting Darius Slayton feels more likely after new wide receiver signing. Uh, with the New York Giants signing wide receiver Keelan Doss, it's feeling more and more likely they will end up releasing Darius Slayton. And then some other news over the last uh, couple of days uh, from Sports Illustrated. Can the Giants get the best version of Daniel Jones? My question, is there a best version of Daniel Jones? Apparently only when he plays the Eagles, I think. Ex-Giant Golden Tate says Daniel Jones has all the tools to be successful. Uh, and then uh, as we take a look uh, a little bit further down the list here, uh, Giants' Brian Dable sounds pleased with punter Jamie Gillen. That's good news, Giants Wire. Yahoo Sports says Giants cancel practice on the final day of mandatory minicamp. And then that caught a little bit of news this week in that um, uh, Brian Dable, the new head coach, essentially just gave them the last day off. He canceled practice after holding a team meeting on Thursday, uh, wrapping up a mandatory three-day minicamp. The team said it was holding an organizational function instead of a practice, and so the next time they'll get together will be on July 26th. Of course, the Giants coming off a 4-13 and record last season. All right, that's the Google News taking a look at uh, the New York Giants. Now let's head to the nation's capital, where I live. And let's see what the headlines are about the Washington Commanders. And if you've been following the news at all, you know that defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio has been making most of the headlines here in the Washington area and nationally with his comments about January 6th and uh, the assault on the Capitol, calling it a dust-up. The Washington Commanders fined him $100,000 for those comments. He apologized for those comments the next day after they came out. And then uh, Fox News, I believe it was Tucker Carlson, called it unbelievable propaganda from the Washington commanders that they would find Jack Del Rio for his comments. And Tucker Carlson dubbed Ron Rivera a fascist moron for finding Jack Del Rio over those comments. And that is as deep as I'm going to get into that topic, folks. You can take that where you want to. Hogs Haven from SB Nation says Jahan, Jahan Dotson is impressing the commander's teammates at OTAs. He's with a new first-round wide receiver they picked uh, this uh, in the draft this April. Um, commander's Wire asking the question, what if the commanders had traded for Deshaun Watson? I think a lot of teams are asking themselves that question. What if the commanders had traded for whoever had traded for Deshaun Watson? And we still don't know. I mean, we don't know what the what the penalty he's going to face, if he's going to face a suspension. We are certainly hearing more details about the Deshaun Watson case, and they are icky and disgusting and awful. And frankly, everyone should be thankful that their team did not trade for Deshaun Watson. And then Fox News reports, Commanders Carson Wentz not feeling pressure in Washington. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, ESPN reporting that the Virginia General Assembly is tabling the Washington Commander's stadium proposal in Virginia. A couple of these stadiums would be built 10 minutes from my house here in Northern Virginia, but uh, the Jack Del Rio comments took a hit. A, a couple of state legislators said that they would not be in favor. They, had, they were kind of on the fence anyway about spending taxpayer dollars on new stadium on a new stadium for the Washington Commanders. Now that appears all but dead. Uh, WTOP, which is the all news station here in Washington, reporting that a majority of the D.C. Council does not support Commander Stadium at RFK, and Virginia has tabled the bill. So where is they are doomed to play at FedEx Field 
forever, it seems like, at this point. And just, it's the worst stadium in the NFL. It's, a, it's not even a close second. Uh, NBC Sports, does Hunter Renfro's extension impact Terry McLaurin's contract negotiations? Hunter Renfro uh, was set to enter a contract year, agreed to a two-year extension with the Las Vegas Raiders on Friday. And now, uh, of course, anytime a wide receiver on another team that is a of a comparable skill set and was basically in the same part of his contract as another player there's going to be that comparison agents are going to use those those signings as as benchmarks and so i think you can absolutely expect Terry McLaurin to point to Hunter Renfro's extension and say either get me that or get me something a little bit better than that and i think Terry McLaurin's a little bit better than than Hunter Renfro a little bit more of an impact receiver for them and then uh, Sports Illustrated had their NFL head coach rankings. Respect for Commanders Ron Rivera? Question mark. I think everybody respects Ron Rivera as a head coach. Um, earlier, a couple days ago, Commanders Ron Rivera lights into team during a tense workout. Uh, let's And let's dive into this story just uh, a little bit more for a couple of minutes because, um, you know, it's a little bit early in the year. <laughs> to uh, to start screaming at your team, but uh, Ron Rivera is getting into it a little bit. Um, so earlier on uh, in the week, he charged across the field screaming, who was the bleeping safety? Who was the bleeping safety? A moment earlier, halfway through a team workout Wednesday, safety Jeremy Reeves collided with wide receiver Diami Brown, who crumpled to the ground. Reeves had tried to jump Brown's route over the middle and accidentally hit Brown in the head area with his head or shoulder. And as trainers attended to Brown, who remained down for a few minutes, Rivera chewed out Reeves for making a dangerous play in June. He huddled up the whole team and launched into an expletive-laden speech about discipline and understanding the bigger picture. He said, quote, people get hurt. You, you, you lose bleeping games. You got to understand that, he said. This is a team, he added. You do it our bleeping way. It's June, guys, and uh, <laughs> this is what's going on uh, in, uh, in Washington, D.C. All right, and finally, let's take a look out in the Lone Star State and take a look at what Google News is saying about uh, the Dallas Cowboys and all the different uh, outlets uh, in the Dallas area. Uh, Sports Illustrated, the lead story. Not the lead story, but this is the number one story when you do a Google News search on the Dallas Cowboys from Sports Illustrated. Cowboys kicker needy. Signed Patriots camp standout? Question mark. Dallas is monitoring the revolving door at the position and should be monitoring monitoring what the New England Patriots are doing. Apparently, um, the Patriots are apparently looking to perhaps um, move somebody. Um, the Cowboys right now have one kicker on their roster, uh, and uh, it looks as though... Um, that's not exactly a vote of confidence for the undrafted free agent rookie, Jonathan Garibay. So Dallas is uh, monitoring other teams and looking at the New England Patriots. The Patriots announced on Friday that they've signed kicker Tristan Vizcaino, and the team also released kicker Quinn Norton. Um, but Norton was uh, the uh, camp favorite in New England at this point. So uh, now um, Greg Zerline is gone. Um, so... The question is, would they go after Norton? Would they, would, now that the Patriots have released uh, Quinn Norton, would the, would the Dallas Cowboys want to go after, go after that player? And, you know, we can joke about kickers, but they are, they are important. They, they will win you or lose you a game. There's no doubt about that. Uh, blogging the Boys, our good friends, RJ Ochoa, and uh, Blogging the Boys at SB Nation with a story Cowboys News. Cowboys hope health woes won't carry into the regular season. Um, we know that the Cowboys are dealing with Michael Gallup, um, injuries uh, surrounding him. Um, uh, a, to Z, a to Z Dallas was reporting that uh, the linebackers group is really dealing with some injuries there in Dallas. Veteran linebacker Devontae Bond hasn't played in an NFL regular season game since October 8th, 2020. Um, 
He was looking to get back on the field this year, but he'll have to wait another year after suffering a season-ending knee injury during Thursday's practice. Um, so, I mean, they're still set with Micah Parsons, Jabril Cox, and Leighton Vander Esch as, as the starters, uh, but um, the two to three extra roster spots behind the, those three guys are uh, are a little bit iffy at the moment. So, not big injury news. It's not like they lost a star, but you're talking depth here. Um Cowboys Micah Parsons sending fans money after Twitter exchange over gas prices. Uh, this is a Bleacher Report story. Since no one else is trying to fix soaring gas prices across the country, Dallas Cowboys star Micah Parsons is taking matters into his own hands to help. I believe he, I think I saw this. He's uh, um, uh, sending out gift cards, right? Now that gas has reached $5 a gallon. So uh, after a fan responded to his tweet about not being rich, having to... Um, Cope with this. The Penn State alum agreed and urged fans to send him their cash app info so he could personally help them out with gas prices. So people are are tweeting Micah Parsons their cash apps uh, and uh, he is uh, helping people out pay for gas, which is a very cool move by the former Penn State star. So congratulations, uh, Micah Parsons, on being just a, a good dude. Um, there was a, uh, a Cowboys legend who passed away this week. Former Dallas Cowboys running back Don Perkins died at the age of 84, so that got some news. Um, DK Metcalf trade to the Cowboys a Jerry Jones move, says Rich Eisen. So um, that could be something to keep an eye on. Sports Illustrated reporting on this, but Jer- uh, Rich Eisen was talking about uh, DK Metcalf on the Dallas Cowboys is exactly the play that Jerry Jones would make, is exactly the play Jerry Jones is built to make. And so DK Metcalf still on the Seahawks, but talking about rumoring a potential trade to the Cowboys, that should make Eagles fans uh, a little bit nervous. Um and then there was a fight at Cowboys OTAs this week. Rookie John Ridgway was ejected from OTAs uh, after getting into a fight. Um, apparently, you know, apparently this dude is is not exactly um, immune to this. Uh, he he he's done this perf- he's done this before. Um, Ridgeway got himself entangled with offensive lineman Josh Ball during live action. A couple of helmets went flying, and ahead of the rest of the team being allowed to exit the backyard heat, Ridgeway was quote sent to the showers. Uh, his nickname is the Vanilla Gorilla, by the way. Um, so that's a lot of fun. So that's your Dallas Cowboys news. And uh, that is checking out the papers here inside the division over these last couple of days, uh, getting an in-depth look at the Washington Commanders, the New York Giants, and of course, the Dallas Cowboys. And I want to just take a minute to talk about the Eagles OTAs um, and some other news that came out about the birds this week. Um Earlier this week, it was revealed that Shane Steichen had been calling the plays since the middle of last year, and it seems as though it coincided with the change in direction with uh, the philosophy of the offense. Instead of Nick Sirianni's pass-heavy offense and the Eagles realizing that Jalen Hurts couldn't hack it last year in that offense and decide to, deciding to run the football more, Shane Steichen the guy behind uh, a lot of that play calling. Now, one of the things that Nick Sirianni talked about this week is that it really is a collaborative effort. They they work together. Nick Sirianni is working and putting together the game plans every week. So it's not as though Nick Sirianni isn't doing anything on offense and isn't doing anything on defense. He's involved deeply in what the offense is doing, but Steichen was apparently calling the two-minute plays, the plays inside the two-minute warning anyway for two-minute drives and stuff like that and um, decided to hand it over, and it started working out really well. Sirianni said he liked how it freed him up to be more in communication with Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator. It helped him to kind of manage the rest of the team. It helped helped him to see a little bit more what was going on on the field during the course of a game and 
sitting instead of getting so wrapped up in calling plays. And I think that's smart. I know there's people who are criticizing the Eagles for keeping this a secret. I'll tell you, and I mentioned this on the WIP morning show when I was on there on Monday morning. The reason we didn't hear about this is because you remember when the Eagles started off so slowly last year, we were talking about Nick Sirianni as a one and done because none of us were really confident in him as the hire of this football team. And so when the team started off as poorly as they did, and when they just looked as clueless and as lost as they did, we were saying both Brian, uh, both uh, um, uh, Jonathan Gannon and Nick Sirianni could be gone after one year. So imagine getting the news that Nick Sirianni was giving up play calling last year as all that was going on. Everybody would be asking themselves, well, then why is he here? Why, why would you keep him on board? It was a disastrous hire. But knowing, knowing now, we saw Nick Sirianni help guide the team to a surprising playoff berth. And I do think that he was an integral part in helping the offense turn things around in the change in philosophy. And I think it shows a lot of humility and self-awareness for a head coach to realize, I can't be effective doing my whole job if I'm so zeroed in on this one particular aspect of my job. To be, to be that aware of himself and his limitations and to trust the guys that he brought on board and hired to help him do his job takes a lot of humility. And I think that's one of the things we saw with Doug Peterson while he was here. It's one of the reasons why I thought he was successful and why I liked him so much is because I do think that he showed a lot of humility in being flexible and listening to ideas and changing things up. And to the point, I think, where he deferred to Carson Wentz too much when Wentz was here and it was to the detriment of the team. Nick Sirianni has to walk that fine line between knowing what he can handle and what he can pass off to some of his coordinators. And listen, if the Eagles have the season I think we all think they're going to have, then it's a good move. I don't have any problem with this whatsoever, and I totally understand why the Eagles didn't make this known. They didn't have to tell us, and it all worked out. So finding out now is fine with me. I know it was a big controversy in Philadelphia this week, but to me, I just I, it doesn't ruffle my feathers at all. Also, the shortened OTA practices. We saw that the Giants canceled their final, uh, the third day of their three-day minicamp this week. And um, I know most teams around the NFL are doing this now. They are having shortened OTAs, shorter off-season programs, not nearly as, not, no hitting, like no pads. I think you were not going to see a situation happen in Philadelphia like what happened in Washington this past week where one guy crushes another guy over the middle because these guys aren't in pads. They're they're doing seven-on-sevens. They're they're not running 11-on-11. 11 11. They're, they're working on stuff, but this is all designed to keep guys healthy, keep guys safe, and I think that teams now believe that you can learn and you can get just as much done reps-wise, learning the plays, doing it this way as you can with pads on and tackling to the ground. I mean, it used to be you thought that that was the way you got ready for the rigors of an NFL season, by by tackling hard. It's the way Dick Vermeil used to run his his practices and, you know, coaches throughout. Buddy Ryan used to be tough on his guys. Andy Reid was tough on his guys in training camp. He believed, you know, you've got to be tackling guys to the ground in the summer and in, um, in, you know, get, get everybody's bodies ready for the rigors of an NFL season. But nobody's doing that anymore. And I have no problem with this either. Because we saw how injured this team was. We used to kill the Eagles for all of the injuries that they were suffering. All of the soft tissue injuries. All of the, the hamstrings and the, and the knee injuries and every, everything else. That wasn't there last year. The Eagles had a couple of unfortunate injuries. Brandon Graham, of course. Isaac Samalo, of course. But for the most part, they were one of the healthiest teams in the NFL. And I think that's probably due in part 
to reducing the amount of stress on the body in the offseason. Now, we'll see how it works this year, whether it was just a one-time thing, whether they just got lucky with injuries, and whether or not you do still need to tackle to the ground. But this is kind of the way the whole NFL is going. There are not a lot of teams anymore who are practicing with full pads, who are having a full week of minicamps and full OTAs and all this other stuff. It's going to be very different in the NFL moving forward, and I think it's all designed with keeping guys healthier. And I think, I think that's fine. I think that's fine. Some teams have five or six team periods uh, compared to the Eagles, two with their OTAs, but um, that does affect how much individual time they have. But Nick Sirianni wants more individual time at this point of the offseason to focus on fundamentals. And so, again, I'm fine with shortened practices. I am fine with lesser OTAs as long as it keeps the Eagles healthy. Let's step away and take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to get into a story that I wrote for Bleeding Green Nation about five Eagles who I think could make the leap here in 2022. And then uh, we will also run down Pro Football Focus's rankings of the top wide receiving cores in the NFL. We'll do all that coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. And we're back with Eye on the Enemy. So in a piece I wrote for Bleeding Green Nation this week, I wrote about four Eagles players who I thought were ready to make the leap in 2022. And I'm going to add a fifth one here for the podcast. But I'll give you the four that I wrote about. And, you know, every year we have some guys who do this. Avante Maddox, I think, made the leap last year. He was pretty underwhelming in 2021, but emerged as one of the best slot corners in football. Uh, As Zach Ertz departed for Arizona in an early season trade last year, Dallas Goddard benefited from the extra targets and made the leap as an elite difference-making high-volume tight end. And I think undrafted TJ Edwards emerged last year, using guile and determination and intelligence to emerge as a viable starting linebacker for a playoff team. Those three guys, I felt, made the leap. And so here for the 2022 Eagles, I selected two offensive players and two defensive players for the article who could make the leap. And then I'm going to give you one more offensive player that I thought was ready. I think the most obvious one is Jalen Hurts. Last year, his passer rating of 87.2 ranked 22nd out of 33 qualified quarterbacks. His 209.6 yards passing per game was tied, ironically, with Carson Wentz for 26th in the NFL. And his 61.3% completion percentage was just 28th. His 16 passing touchdowns was tied for 23rd. And we, we know he struggled to throw the ball in the middle of the field. He was subpar against good defenses. But you also have to look at his receiving core. His number two receiver last year was Jalen Rager. And we all thought Devontae Smith had a good rookie season, but he was a rookie last year. He'll be better here in 2022. And now he's armed with one of the best receiving cores in the NFL, as you'll hear in just a second. You bring A.J. Brown aboard, that changes everything. It gives him a true weapon over the middle and a yards after the catch man. Smith will have another year under his belt for his incredible talent to progress, and he'll get even better. Quez Watkins will hopefully be a slot receiver who can burn people deep with regularity. And I think they really upgraded at wide receiver four with Zach Paschal. I liked Greg Ward. I think he should stick around as wide receiver five. Um, but I think Zach Paschal is a much more, a much higher quality number four receiver. And then you have Dallas Goddard and some running backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield too. So I think Hertz has all of the weapons at his disposal to pass the football. You could see him make the leap here in 2022. Quez Watkins is a guy I think is going to make the leap here in 2022. And of course, anytime you get anything from a sixth round pick, it's an incredible success. So even last year's 647 yards receiving on 43 catches was was a tremendous success. But it's still amazing that I think there's more there. If you watched some of the All-22 all breakdowns after the games this year, there were a number of times that Watkins was running wide open down the field and Hurts just didn't see him or couldn't find him. So I think 
I think Watkins making the leap this year is largely dependent on Hertz making the leap. But if Hertz emerges as a more competent passer in 2022, I think Watkins' numbers should improve even more too. I think you could be looking at an 800 to 900 yard receiver with a few touchdowns thrown in the mix. Uh, he only got 3.6 targets per game last year. I think that number is going to jump even with A.J. Brown in the fold. And you want Devontae Smith's targets to jump a little bit too. Um, I think the Eagles are going to run a lot of three wide receivers. And so I think there will be opportunities for Quez Watkins to make the leap and be a true elite number three receiver in this league. On defense, Marcus Epps seems to me the, los- the most likely candidate to make the leap defensively. Um, we know that the Eagles were not satisfied with what they had at cornerback, but despite the fact that they were talking all of those guys up, they went out and they signed James Bradbury to a $10 million deal because of that. So they obviously weren't comfortable with what they had. They do appear comfortable with Marcus Epps at free safety. Otherwise, they would have pulled the trigger on a deal or spent big money on a free safety. But they are not doing that. Epps, a former sixth-round pick taken by the Vikings in the 2019 draft. The Eagles claimed him that November uh, after he was released by the Vikings. So with Rodney McLeod gone, Epps is the favorite to start the season at uh, strong safety now. He's going to move from free safety to strong safety. Last year, he played in just under 45% of the team's defensive snaps, all of them at free safety. Those numbers are going to go up because Kayvon Wallace is not going to earn much playing time. Epps is going to see his workload increase. And at uh, Roll 21 noted this on Twitter, over the last two seasons with Marcus Epps in coverage as a primary defender, he has been targeted 44 times. He's intercepted three passes, allowed just one touchdown, and has allowed a passer rating of 56.3. Not bad. So I think there's a lot of upside for Marcus Epps, and if you're looking for a guy to make the leap here on defense in 2022, I think he's one of your candidates. Another one is Milton Williams. The second-year defensive tackle edge rusher, I think, played really well down the stretch. He is a physical freak. And I think, the, I think he's going to make a, a substantial jump in his production this year. He's just too big and too strong and too athletic. I have some video posted on, on the article just showing you a little bit about what Milton, Milton Williams can do. Uh, he had two sacks last year, uh, 15 solo tackles, 30 total, playing in just 41% of the team's defensive snaps and six QB hits. I know the defensive tackle rotation is going to be four deep with Jordan Davis, Javon Hargrave, and Fletcher Cox, but I think Cox's role on the team is going to wane this year. I would like to see Milton Williams get a lot more a lot more defensive reps. I'd like to see that 41% number jump up into the 60% range. And I'm calling for at least five sacks for Milton Williams this season, provided that he stays, he stays healthy. Now, those are the four I wrote about for Bleeding Green Nation. Let me give you one more as a special bonus podcast leaper. Kenny Gainwell. You know, I think he gained pretty well last year, had a solid rookie season, made some plays, and right now he sits as a top three running back on the depth chart. And we know that the Seagulls team uses all of their running backs. Miles Sanders is still going to see the bulk of the carries, as he should, and Boston Scott returned to the team this year, and he will see a lot of goal line touches. He'll be involved in the passing game. A lot of He's very involved in the screen game, of course, uh, and uh, he'll have his uh, yearly his yearly games where he rips the Giants apart. But I think Gainwell is going to 
be a real factor, even more of a factor in the passing game this year. He was actually the Eagles' leading receiver among running backs last year in terms of receiving yardage. Jordan Howard's gone, so he's no longer number four on the depth chart. He moves to number three. I think he could see an uptick in his carries as well here in 2022. I really think he's got a ton of talent. He's a very speedy, shifty guy, and he's versatile. He can run the ball between the tackles quite a bit, but he can also be a dynamic receiver out of the backfield. And I think he's a guy who we're going to see a lot from this year and he could overtake Boston Scott as this team's number two running back here in his second season in the NFL. All right, last thing this week, let's take a look at Pro Football Focus's rankings of receiving cores around the NFL. Uh, Where do the Eagles rank? They've listed these things into different tiers, and of course, tier one they have listed as the elite tier of receivers. They have the Bengals at number one, which makes sense. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. They were good enough to get to the Super Bowl last year, largely on the backs of those three guys and Joe Burrow. So, yes, I think the Bengals probably do have the best receiving core in the NFL. And we're talking tight ends and running backs. Nah, just tight ends as well. Buccaneers at number two, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, and tight end Cade Otten. Uh, They have listed as the second best group of receivers in the NFL. The Dolphins they have at number three with... New acquisition Tyreek Hill joining Jalen Waddell. Cedric Wilson coming over from the Dallas Cowboys as a number three receiver. That was a sneaky good good move. Made even better once they got Tyreek Hill. And tight end Mike Gesicki uh, is a pretty good receiving tight end uh, for Miami. And then they have the Eagles ranked number four with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, and Dallas Goddard. I, again, I would throw Zach Paschal into the mix as well there too. Uh, so the Eagles number four in the elite tier of receiving cores here entering the 2022 season. Two other teams were among the elite. The Raiders came in at number five with Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and tight end Darren Waller. And the 49ers at number six with Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Juwan Jennings, and rookie Danny Gray. So peeking at some of the other rankings for teams in the NFC East, the Cowboys all the way down in tier two at number 12. Of course, noting the loss of Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson, that's why they are outside the top 10. Uh, C.D. Lamb, I think, is going to have a big season for the Cowboys here in 2022. And Michael Gallup um, is going to come back at some point here, probably early in the season. We'll look to see what he has in the tank coming off an ACL tear. Uh, But he is a very, very good wide receiver when he's fully healthy. And then they went out and they signed James Washington to a free agent contract and brought rookie Jalen Tolbert on board. They're going to compete for the number three receiver uh, and being the vertical threat in Dallas's offense. But just some more question marks with the Cowboys heading into this year than any of the teams in the elite tier, including the Eagles. Uh, They also have the Cow the commanders in tier oh no they're in tier number three they have the commanders at number 17 overall i'll take you know terry mclaren is great but outside of that there's not a lot of certainty now this this has a chance to be a very good receiving court if curtis samuel was a huge disappointment for the commanders last year if he can bounce back and be a true number two receiver then carson wentz is going to have something and then first rounder Jahan dotson also could be a very good draft pick um and be a, a, the number three receiver that can really help this team. They, they could be good. Um, but there's, again, a lot of question marks there. Um, you basically, you need Dotson and Samuel to absorb some of the, the secondary's attention to get McLaurin a little bit, a little bit more activity. Um, even with bad quarterbacks throughout their time there in, in Washington, I do think that having Carson Wentz back there should, should substantially help that receiving core. They also have the giants 
At number 22, also in Tier 3, um, Kenny Galladay had a very disappointing season last year. He had injury issues and was not effective when he was on the field. Uh, 49.9 passer rating when he was targeted last, year's, uh, last year. That was last among all wide receivers with at least 50 targets, according to PFF. Um, you heard me mention at the top of the show they could be looking to cut Darius Slayton, but Kadarius Toney is their number two receiver. He, he did have a few breakout games last year. Remember that 10-catch, 189-yard performance against the Cowboys in Week 5? But Galladay and Toney need to stay healthy in order, for the, in order for the Giants to be successful, and that's why they're at number 22. A couple other interesting rankings looking around the NFL. They have the Rams at number 7, just outside the elite tier. Uh, basically, Odell Beckham Jr.'s injury is the big wild card there. Once he comes back, they jump up into the elite tier. Uh, Allen Robinson coming on board. Be interesting to see what they what he gives them. He was not too good last year. Uh, is he is he cooked or was that just a uh, was that just a down season? And of course you got Cooper Cup on that team, so that's automatically gonna, you know, put you pretty high in the rankings. The Vikings at number fifteen. We keep having this mind uh, this mindset of the Vikings being this elite receiving core with Adam Thielen and we, you know, Stefan Diggs isn't there anymore, but you know, you, you've got Justin Jefferson there and you just think, oh yeah, this is such a high powered passing offense. Well, Justin Jefferson is still a true number one, but Adam Thielen is slipping and is now 32 years old. And then there's no one of note outside those two guys. This could be, I picked the Vikings as a team who I think could, who missed the playoffs last year, who could make, who could make it into the postseason. But as I look at this offensive receiving core, this could be a rough year for Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. They had the Cardinals at number 16. I think this is a bit low. I know DeAndre Hopkins is going to serve a six-game suspension to start the season, but once he comes back, pairing him with Hollywood Brown and Zach Ertz, that's a pretty good receiving core. I, I think that's a little low. So, yeah, it's not good when DeAndre Hopkins isn't around. But when he's there, that's going to be a pretty dynamic little duo uh, with Hopkins and, and Hollywood. And Zach Ertz, and they have another couple tight ends there as well who can all catch the ball. I, I think that's a better receiving core than PFF is giving them credit for. And then a couple of teams who... Basically, these are the all-state quarterbacks. They're, they're going to have some issues this year. Uh, the Chiefs at number 19, how far the Chiefs receiving core has fallen. Tyreek Hill is gone. Their top receivers now are Nicole Hardman, Juju Smith-Schuster, Sky Moore, and, of course, Travis Kelsey. Kelsey is still very good, but is that enough to keep Patrick Mahomes elite? We'll see exactly how good Mahomes is this year dealing with uh, his the worst receiving core he's had since he became a starting quarterback in the NFL. And then they have the Green Bay Packers at 31. Devontae Adams is gone. So the Packers receivers are now Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, Christian Watson, and Romeo Dubes. Or Daubs. I don't even know how you say his name. I mean, that's what Aaron Rodgers came back for. right? That's what Aaron Rodgers came back for. That's, that's what he's looking at right now. So if you ask me why I'm a little down on the Packers this year, read those list of names again. And the Packers have basically said they're going to go and try and be a run-heavy team. Really? With Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback? You look at that receiving core, you can kind of see why. All right, folks. So look, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Thanks so much for tuning into this here podcast. And don't forget to check out all of the other podcasts we have here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcast. Leave a rating and a review for Eye on the Enemy. Let me know what you think of the show. Tell your friends about us and check out BleedingGreenNation.com every day for the latest news and notes about your Philadelphia Eagles. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy.
G-N.